Hello, friends. In this episode, I'm going to talk about the power and problem of habit in regards to our spiritual lives. And then at the end, I talk about some practical thoughts on how to cultivate habit. I'm J.C. Schroeder, and this is Bite Size Seminary. Before I get started here, I just want to let you know that if you want, and if you're brave enough, you can also watch the podcast on YouTube now. There's a link to this episode in the show notes below if you want to check it out. Okay, let's move on. We all have habits, both good and bad, but here we're talking about spiritual habits or spiritual disciplines. I think uh, a lot of us know either intrinsically or because it's said to us so much that we need positive spiritual habits in our lives. Just like the children's Sunday school song, read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll grow, grow, grow. Neglect your Bible, forget to pray, and you'll shrink, shrink, shrink. And part of the song you need to kind of move up and down depending on if you're growing or shrinking. But while there might not be a lot of nuance to the kids' song, it it does have some helpful truth to it and speaks to the power of habit. The reason why habit or spiritual disciplines is so powerful in our lives is it brings growth. The fact is that it shapes our imaginations, our actions, our hopes, concerns, and even our cautions. Habits are formative to our spiritual lives. The repetitive nature of the act, whether that's prayer, uh, meditation on scripture, or, or something else, it helps to create and cultivate spiritual life. It helps create that fertile soil for the spirit to work in. Now, I think the key word here is helps. We'll talk in a minute about some potential problems with habit. So suffice it to say for right now, they are not the end-all, be-all. It's the spirit who brings life and transformation. But these habits do help bring about our sensitivity and yieldedness to the Lord. These habits help carry us during times of trials, when we suffer, or we just don't feel close to God. They are also a part of the tool set to help fight the flesh. Now, let's look at a few passages of scripture where spiritual habits seem to be shown or commanded. I'm sure there's a lot of other uh, verses, passages that we could look at, but these were the ones that popped into my head. The first passage is Acts 2.42, and they, the early church, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Here, after the coming of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost and the start of the church, their response is that they devoted themselves to four things. You have number one, the apostles' teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and number four, prayers. So they had the content of the gospel and the teaching that they acknowledged They learned, and then they followed. They also met regularly with other believers. There's no lone wolfing it. As Hebrews 10.25 says, like, 
they're not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some. They, they weren't just going off doing their own things. So that regular communal gathering is important in the Lord's eyes. That's an important element for us to remember in a very individualized America. Now, back to Acts 2.42. They remembered Christ's death and resurrection with the breaking of bread. Then they were also, this is the fourth thing, they were consistent in praying. Here the idea is probably more corporate in nature as as a whole church, not just a, a privatized individual prayer. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I'm sure they did that too. But I think the force of it is just more corporate. And this goes along with Colossians 4.2, which is the verse that we looked at in the previous episode, where it says, continue steadfastly in prayer. And in both of these passages, it seems that prayer is more of an attitude, not only or just simply an action. So these things were done regularly, and they developed the habit of doing these things. They devoted themselves to it. And I, again, I just love that phrase that they weren't just doing these things and they're just mindless sort of actions. They were devoted to them. Now, another passage I really love is Colossians 3.16. And here, this along with 1 Timothy 4.13, which we'll look at in a minute, it deals, they both deal with the habit of consuming scripture. Colossians 3.16 says this, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. I really love that phrase in the Colossians passage here of letting the word of Christ dwell in you richly, like not just a little bit or in some shallow way, but richly. There, there is an abundance and depth of scripture in the believer's life. It's not just something that we know or acknowledge, but it makes its home within us. Here, I think we can see the transformative nature of scripture and the repetitive indwelling use of it and how that allows for the transformative work of God to take hold in our hearts so that what we ingest comes out in our speech. That's why in this verse, the following lines are about teaching, admonishing, singing, and thankfulness. And really, is it any wonder why we have such uh, an infatuation with politics, power, image, when all we consume is our favorite news show, and social media. Now, this is not just me being like a Luddite or a kind of like stick your head into the sand sort of Christian. I think this is maybe more of the flip side of this discussion uh, about habit, is that we have other habits that are also formative or transformative for us in, in a negative way, but in, in ways that take our affection off of the Lord, off of his people, and off of his kingdom, and place them on other things. But we can have these rituals that are not negative in and of themselves, but without those proper spiritual habits in place, it can cause us to see the world, ourselves, our hobbies, our politics, our, our own images, our own lives, 
in really fragmented ways. That's why I think Paul here in Colossians commands us to have the very word of God incarnate, Christ, dwelling in us. Without it, we're going to be eaten alive by the other competing habits and other competing formative powers. The answer is is not just to get rid of those competing ideas or influences. There can be a wise use of those things. But what I think can and, and probably should be emphasized is the immersion in Scripture and how the Lord can use that to help us in how to view those other things and orient our heart back to God. Now, along with Colossians 3.16 is 1 Timothy 4.13. This says, until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. Here, Paul tells Timothy to make sure that when the church comes together, the reading of Scripture needs to be emphasized. This is especially important in a culture where very few people were even able to read or even had access to the very expensive documents of Scripture. This is where, like, I do want to be careful about the difference of what is commanded and what is wise. For instance, like the Bible doesn't tell us to read the Bible every day for 20 minutes. Like if you think about it, most in the early church or throughout history were illiterate and couldn't even do this. Not to mention like the cost of just having a portion of scripture, not the whole of it, but just a portion was enormous. This is why Paul commands Timothy for public reading of scripture. That was the only way the average person could engage with scripture. And since we have such an incredible access to the word of God, like side note here, like let's just be thankful for how incredible amount of access we have to scripture. How many copies of it that we have, the fact we can just like pull it up on your phone immediately and it's right there, the ability to even read it, the ability to read it in our own language. Like it's cool to learn Hebrew and Greek, but like, We can read scripture in our native tongue. That's so incredible. So since we have this incredible access to the word of God, there's much wisdom, I think, in this regular private consumption of scripture. The point, though, is that we engage with scripture. Whether we we hear it or we read it, we need it. Then one final passage with the example of Christ from Mark 135. It says, and rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. I I really love the context of this passage. I don't want to spend too much time on this one passage, but Jesus gets very little sleep because he's staying up late in the middle of the night, healing people, and yet he still gets up and he prioritizes prayer. He values, he so values that time with his father. And we see this throughout the gospels of his commitment to prayer, as well as his his love and commitment to scripture. I love this quote from I. Howard Marshall, and this is more of maybe a loose paraphrase of what Marshall says, but he talks about how when Christ lived on this earth, that he had a mind that was nourished on the word of God. Like he embodied what Colossians 3.16 says of having the word of Christ dwelling in you richly. And all throughout his life, in times of his preaching, in times of his lament, he is thinking about scripture. 
So here we have a biblical basis for these habits, but it's, it's also important to note that they need to be cultivated, and they do take time to be developed. It's not like you wake up one morning and you've got all these just ready to go. And like I said earlier, I have some thoughts about maybe how to do this, how to help with this, or things that are at least I'm trying to do. And these habits have a tremendous amount of power in our lives. But now we're going to get into some of the problem of habit. The danger or problem that I think there can be with the practice of habit and the spiritual disciplines is that we can rely solely on the performance of the habit and not the heart orientation. Now, there are times where that doing of the action of the habit can help propel us in dry times, but I think sometimes we can confuse the two. This is where we assume my habit equals my heart. It's, it's easy to kind of slip into that spiritual checklist mode where we do the habit or do the spiritual discipline, but we're thinking about something else or it doesn't affect us and we just kind of move on and we don't even think about what we've read or what we've prayed or memorized. And we don't want to assume that our habits equal our spirituality. And James 1.22 cautions us about this very thing when he says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. And that's like one of the scariest verses in the Bible, I think, of deceiving ourselves into thinking that we're doing the word of God when actually all we're doing is we're just, we're hearing it. We know what it says, but we're not actually living it out. And the key, I think, is the approach or mindset with the habit. And this will at times need to be adjusted or reminded. But we want these to be a way to encounter God, not not just an activity. So when we're praying, we're talking with God. We're pouring our heart out to him. When, when we're reading, we're not just looking for more biblical information so that we can win Bible Jeopardy. We want to hear God's voice speaking to us through this very ancient book. We're not trying to make this into some uh, mystical sort of experience. There are rules for reading reading the Bible well. We, we, uh, we want to understand it on its own terms. We don't want to turn this book into some like Ouija board for our own purposes, but we want to reframe the habits away from simply actions to be performed rather than engaging with the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. So we want to beware of the problem of habit and utilize that habit well to unpack that power and allow the Lord to work in our lives. Now, here I want to share just some practical thoughts on how to cultivate habit in our spiritual lives. These are not supposed to be burdensome or legalistic, just thoughts that may help you. Some of these have really helped me, but you know yourself best, and so you'll know best how to implement these that suit you and your life. So the first one, I think, is accountability. Have some measure of accountability, whether that's a friend or a spouse or some group. It can be helpful to have someone check in with you to see if you're keeping up with that habit of prayer, memory work, meditation, whatever it may be. And maybe a sub point of, of that 
or maybe it should be on its own, is kind of track your progress and the time that you're spending on it. And, you know, I find it's helpful for me. I'm, I'm dumb, but to use like a, just a simple timer for how much time I'm spending in prayer, because it just tells me like, okay, you haven't, you, you think you spent 20 minutes in praying. It was actually two. Um, so having that timer just helps me to have a set amount of time. And hopefully I learned to pray more, or read more than that, but that really helps me. Same with like a Bible reading plan that can go a long way to keep you moving through scripture. This is also maybe dumb, but I also use this app uh, called Streaks that that counts um, how many continuous days you do a task. And for whatever reason, my my little lizard brain sees the progress and helps me keep the streak going. It's like, all right, I got to finish it now. So for whatever reason, that just has really helped me be consistent in my reading of scripture and in prayer. The next one is prioritize. Prioritize your habit. The old adage is no Bible, no breakfast. And maybe that's, in some cases, that's not the healthiest thing to do, but the intention is great. I think the point is do your habit before you do something you enjoy or you don't You don't need to get done right away. The, the point is prioritize. The habit is not going to happen on accident. You have to prioritize it in your life. Now, maybe a way to also help that is to utilize a specific time for your habit, whether it's in the morning before everyone wakes up or in the evening after everyone goes to bed or, or whatever. Maybe you just have a specific time that that's your time to do your prayer and reading time or whatever it may be. Then the next one would be remove distractions. Here, like maybe don't read your Bible on your phone. It's too easy, at least for me, to get a notification or just like find myself switching apps. So like put the phone away. Uh, try going for a walk while you're praying. Um, listen to the word of God instead. Uh, but, you know, remove distractions. And then you want to set realistic goals. You can always increase your goals after you you build those habit muscles, but create something that is actually realistic. I hope this encourages us to develop better habits in our lives, to root out those bad ones and draw closer with the Lord and allow him to work in our lives through those good habits. I'm praying for you and thanks so much for your time. 